Well, good morning, church. I want to open up our time together by praying for the Custer family and some of our global partners that we just partner with. We need to remember to pray for them, amen? And so we want to open up by doing that as well as let's just ask God to bless the rest of our time together today. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather. We thank you, Lord, for the Custers and for calling them. Even though we miss them, Lord, we're grateful that they said yes to that calling to go to Guam and we're grateful for what you're doing. We just miss them and we just pray your protection on them, your blessing on them, especially as the girls starting new school year and Lord, as Chelsea's navigating new friendships and as they're navigating new church and new environments and we pray you continue to use their family, strengthen their family and just connect them relationally and to great opportunities to continue to expand your kingdom. We continue to lift up our global partners before you, Lord, as we support them not only financially but through lifting them up regularly in prayer. And we pray that you would use them for your glory, use them to impact eternity, and we pray you would bless the remainder of our time here together, Lord, that we may glorify you through both the hearing, Lord, of your word, and also through doing your word. Because we don't just want to be hearers today, we want to be doers. And so we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started this new series called From Here to There, and last week we talked about goals for the family, and we talked about how your family can get unstuck and move from here to there. And one of the key tenets of this that we have to understand is that for us to know how to move from here to there, we need to be able to articulate where here is exactly. So where are we at? And I have to be in touch with that reality and aware of that reality, whether good or bad. I don't want to be stuck here. I want to keep moving forward because that's what God has called us to do. Now, we're going to look through this in a little different lens today. Instead of looking at it through a family lens, we're going to look at it through Bettendorf Christian Church's lens. And we want to identify where we're at and how we can move from where we're at now to where God is calling us to. And my hope and prayer today is to stir up a sense of urgency in our church to be able to see a true picture of where we are so that we can move with a sense of urgency to impact eternity and to live in light of eternity. So I did a little research preparing for this message with different statistics and different research groups, most notably that of the Barna Group. If you've ever looked at their research, you can go to barna.com and all this stuff is free for you to look at and access. So I would encourage you to do that and to be able to look at some of these things yourself, B-A-R-N-A, Barna.com, and you can go and find some of these same things that I found. But they began to do a lot of research based on where churches currently are at coming out of the pandemic and regathering from the time of shutting down and from the time of all of uh, things being just really, um, you know, uh, tumultuous to where we're seeing uh, uh, people be confused. And now people are kind of getting in a little bit of rhythms, starting to regather, starting to get back together, working through those challenges. And so they wanted to gather data to be able to help churches because often when you're going through something, and this is true of anything, you wonder if you're the only one going through it, right? <laughs> is it just us? Are we special or are we doing worse than others, better than others? How do we kind of compare and what's going on, you know, nationally, what's going on worldwide in the church family, not just here locally? So that was kind of what I was looking for. And I found a few things that I thought was very interesting. And I want to share those with you. At least 20%, it said, of those who attended church before the pandemic um, will not return. 
more pastors will leave vocational ministry in the next 12 months than any time in recent history with the current trends that they're seeing. Negativity from church members and criticism has grown exponentially in all churches in the United States. A person who attends a Sunday worship gathering once every six weeks considers themselves to be a regular attender. Churches that are gathering in person have seen their, uh, from their pre-pandemic numbers, have seen a 30 to 40% drop. Over half of churches that have a separate ministry to children have not reopened due to a lack of volunteers and parents unwilling to bring their children. Also, in that same study, they found that churches that had multiple services, often um, as they've regathered children, only have one of those services available for children, and so we see that true of us as well. The Quad Cities, all right, now we're getting a little close to home. The Quad Cities ranks nationally as number 15 in the entire United States as the most unchurched post-Christian church city areas in the United States. Now, I brought my phone out here because I wanted to look at some of these other cities. Um, the number one city is uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, then Portland, then um, Burlington, Vermont, Providence, Rhode Island, Rochester, New York, Seattle, Washington, Madison, Wisconsin, Buffalo, New York, Fort Myers, Florida, and then Davenport, Rock Island, Moline, Illinois on their list. That puts us ahead of Reno, Nevada, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Miami, Phoenix, Orlando, um, Green Bay, St. Louis. Um, you get the idea. So as I look at that statistic, um, I'm just as shocked as you are thinking that we have a heavily post-Christian environment of people who are largely unchurched in the very area that we live in. It's one thing to talk about national averages, but then you start talking about the Quad Cities and all of a sudden we get a little nervous, right? And now that means that's in our backyard. But I don't want to share those statistics with you to discourage you. I wanna share those things with you to remind you of why we're here to remind you of what God has called us to and remind us of the mission that God has called us to. So when we wanna move from here to there, it starts with us acknowledging why we can't stay here, why we can't just continue to do things the way we've done them, why we can't just continue to look at church the way we've looked at church, why we can't continue to just look at Christianity the way we view Christianity. We have to begin to think differently. We have to begin to look outside of ourselves. We have to look beyond our bubble. We have to look beyond our Christian context because most all of us, when we hear these numbers, we're surprised and we're shocked and we're dumbfounded because it doesn't seem true of us, which only reiterates and reinforces the idea that we've been living in somewhat of a bubble and we haven't been aware of what's going on around us. And these numbers don't have necessarily uh, emotions that are driving them, but yet you and I feel emotions as a reaction to those things. But what are we gonna do next? We need to acknowledge the reality, but keep pressing forward, and here's the why. Because we have a mission, and that mission is bigger than you and me, amen? 
Let's go to the scriptures to see what Jesus told us about our mission in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, we're going to go both to Matthew 5, and then we're going to go right over to Matthew chapter 15. So if you're flipping around looking for Matthew 5, I would encourage you to also simultaneously look for Matthew 15 and maybe just kind of hang on to that because we'll jump right from Matthew 5 to Matthew 15. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start looking in verse 13. I'll give you just a second. I still hear some pages turning. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, Jesus says this, speaking to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now let's flip over to Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15, let's read the first nine verses. This is an interaction Jesus has with the religious leaders of his day. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. As I look at these two scriptures, I see the purpose that Jesus Christ gave us to be change agents, to be salt, to be light. That's what you and I, as followers of Jesus, are called to be. We're supposed to impact and influence the world around us. And then I see Jesus arguing with church people, and these religious leaders are trying to catch Jesus, much like they did oftentimes, so that they can accuse him of something or, 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 or point out some sort of error in his teaching. And here, they're thinking, oh, we caught him. We caught him. You see the disciples? They didn't go through the ceremonial hand-washing that we've been observing all these years. You see, look, oh, look, look, oh, look, look at what they didn't do. The disciples didn't wash their hands in that ceremonial way. And what's Jesus trying to expose here? He's trying to show that they have elevated doing something for the sake of them doing it, washing the hands in a public way where everyone can see, going through this ceremonial cleansing process. Oh, look at how spiritual I am because I observe the tradition of the elders. But he's trying to show them, but your heart isn't really to honor God. Your heart is to want people to see how good and spiritual you are and how clean you are on the outside because you're observing the traditions. In other words, you're doing all the right things and everyone's watching. But Jesus says, I see your heart. Because if your heart truly belonged to God, you would be following this other command where he says to honor your parents and to honor in this way. But you're not doing that. 
And because of that, you're more focused on the outside. And he said, you're actually voiding the command of God to observe your tradition because you put this above what God said. You have made something you've done, a thing you like, a thing you have thought looks good and made you spiritual and made you appear spiritual. You've elevated that above what God says actually makes you spiritual, what actually makes you someone who is following him. You've actually nullified that command because you've elevated this one. He said, rightly did Isaiah say that you're honoring me with your lips, but your heart is somewhere else. Your heart is far from me. We get so concerned with our hang-ups, with the way we want things, with the way we like things, with what we think makes us spiritual, with what we think is success, and we miss the bigger picture. And it causes us to fight amongst ourselves, and we get stuck and we get stuck in these arguments over petty things, and we lose sight over the bigger picture. The bigger picture is Jesus said, you're called to be salt, you're called to be light. Jesus said the bigger picture actually is bigger than you. It's not you just doing things to make you look good. No, it's you actually being on mission and living on mission to do things that are going to influence and impact eternity. You see, our church exists for a reason. We are here in Bettendorf for a reason. We are strategically placed by God in the Quad Cities for a reason. And when I look at those types of statistics and when I see the challenges that are in front of us, it lets me know that somewhere we've drifted from focusing on our mission and we've just been focusing on washing our hands. And we've gotten our eyes off of being salt and light because how could a region as small as the Quad Cities in comparison to some of these other larger areas, I'm talking about New York City, Phoenix, Arizona, talking about large cities, how could we be elevated to number 15 in unchurched, post-church type environment? Have we gotten so comfortable doing the things that we like to do, doing the things that we enjoy, that we've not lived on mission and we've lost sight of the bigger picture, and the salt has lost its saltiness. And we haven't been affecting the change because we've looked so much like the culture, or we've removed ourselves from caring about the mission, and we've only become so inward-focused that we haven't been living on mission. And we haven't been being the salt and the light. And we need to acknowledge reality. We need to say, this is where it is. This is what it is. This is where we are, but this is not okay for us to stay here. We've got to move somewhere else and keep moving forward because we want to impact and influence eternity because this is what God has called us to do. Here's a very sobering question that I want to ask you that I've asked myself all throughout my days in ministry that has helped to sober my focus and keep me focused on Jesus and what he's called us to when I may drift. And here's the question. If BCC were to shut its doors today, would anyone that doesn't attend here notice? Would anyone care? Would anyone say, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't shut down. You can't shut the doors because this church being in this community is vital. Does anyone see the impact? Does anyone see how vital we are to the point that people would say, no, 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 we, we can't have that happen. B 
beyond the people who attend here who care very much for this church? Would anyone outside notice? Would anyone that drives by notice or would they just see another empty building? That should sober our hearts and help us to evaluate. Have we become so distracted? Have we become so exhausted, so focused on getting our way right away that we have missed our calling to see the lost found and to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel? The gospel that makes us in right relationship with God, us who were strangers and aliens, and the scripture calls us enemies of God, because before we knew Christ, before we came into right standing with God through faith in Christ, it was our sin that created this gulf between us and God, and we couldn't repair that gulf on our own. We couldn't fix the sin problem on our own. No, it took another, and it took Jesus, the spotless, sinless one, who actually took the sin upon his shoulders that you and I caused and took the punishment for that. So as scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That we might now have right standing through faith and trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That what he did on the cross was sufficient for you and for me and now because of faith in Christ, I have been made right in the eyes of God because of what Jesus has done. That message is it burning in our hearts to the point to where not only have we been recipients of it, but we've been people who have actively shared it. I don't wanna just be another church that is just in a long list of churches that continues to swap members between one congregation to another. I don't wanna just be another activity center that is trying to outdo the church down the street to try to draw in other churched people. I believe you and I are called to reach those who do not know Jesus in our everyday lives, not just on Sunday, with the message of the gospel so that eternity can be impacted, amen? Not just my calendar, not just the things I like to do, but so that eternity can be influenced, so that I can see the needle move in eternity. That's why Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. He said, lay up treasures in heaven where a thief can't steal, where moth can't get in and, and, and eat away at the fabric and destroy it, and where rust can't corrupt and corrode. Lay up treasures in heaven because those things can't be corrupted or, or corroded or stolen. Those are things that are gonna echo in eternity and outlast and outlive every one of us when we live on mission with a greater purpose. I think the challenge for us is that we live in Western civilization and we have certain Western ideas where we begin to think as individuals because that's how we're taught to think. Westerners are brought up to think as me, myself, and I, and I don't think like some Eastern people may think or people in the scriptures who perhaps uh, being Eastern people would have thought as to where they think more in tribes and in community as Westerners, we have an extra challenge in front of us because we've been trained as individuals to think about ourselves to the level that we think everything should be the way we want it and we think we're entitled to that. We don't think about what's best for the whole is best for the individual. We think about what's best for the individual is, well, what's best for the individual. And as long as I get my way and I'm happy, then everything should be okay. And so the goal becomes to try to make every individual happy when you know that that's not an attainable goal. When we try to do church that way, when we try to do community that way, when we try to live on mission that way, it's impossible. Instead, we have to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, amen? You see, in our culture, in our society, we have all these different customizable things where we can have something unique to us. 
because uniqueness is celebrated, individualization is celebrated, and, and we grew up with that normality. And because that's normalized to us in our Western eyes and in our Western culture, we began to think that we're entitled to have it that way, and we look at Scripture that way, and we began to ask God, how can you help make my life better and help me achieve what I want to do? And we don't think about eternity. And then next thing you know, the Quad Cities is number 15 on the most unchurched areas in the United States because we got distracted because we got off mission, because we stopped being salt and light somewhere, and we started wondering, well, what about me? What about me? What, how am I going to get things my way? And we started thinking that way, and we stopped, we stopped seeing the bigger picture. You see, our church exists for a reason. We're in the Quad Cities for a reason. And I believe that we are here together, gathered today for a reason. Amen? See, the goal, here's our, here, here's our big idea. The goal for BCC is to focus on impacting eternity. That's our goal, just oversimplified. Our goal is to focus on impacting eternity. That means something that's gonna outlive you and me. That means something that's bigger than you or me. And that means everything in my life needs to be filtered through this. Yes, what we do here collectively as a church on Sunday, but also what we do throughout the week with our everyday lives, what we do with our neighbors, what we do when we go to work. If you're uh, going to work at John Deere and, and, and you're, you're, you're working there either in the factory or in the, the corporate headquarters or, or wherever you may be, you're working there and doing your job as unto the Lord. If you're a Palmer student and, 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 and you're here in the Quad Cities because you wanted to come to that school, you're there and have you thought that perhaps you're there strategically by the will of the Lord for you to impact and influence eternity by the relationships that you make and you could perhaps be one who plants a seed or waters a seed that God begins to germinate and cause to increase and do something that's going to impact eternity. You see, it's bigger than just you and me. If you're working at Walmart, if you're working uh, at, at, at a restaurant, it doesn't matter what you're doing, living in the neighborhood that you live in. Have you thought about perhaps you're living in that neighborhood? If you're going to a school, if you have children going to a school, grandchildren going to a school, perhaps those relationships are bigger than just going through the ebbs and flows of life where it keeps passing us by. Maybe God has something bigger in store for his people that's supposed to influence and impact eternity. Something that's supposed to move the needle in eternity. Something that's supposed to cause an awakening and a revival to take place where eyes are open. So the hardest of hearts are broken and softened at the very gospel message that compels people to come to repentance and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And perhaps you and I are called to be that salt and light and that change agent to be able to live that type of life on purpose where we look at our time, we look at our energy, we look at our, our resources differently because we're wanting to lay up treasures in heaven and we're wanting to invest and impact the next generation to make sure that we are concerned with the things that concern the heart of God. Make sure that we are focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on and not get caught up in all of the uh, ambiguity and, and the, the, the anger and, and, and the backbiting and the slander and the bitterness and all of the stuff from change because change is hard. I get that. And man, if any church has been through a lot of change during COVID, it's Bettendorf Christian Church. Come on, somebody. I mean, real talk, right? Real talk. Like, we're just being real. Like, I mean, everybody was impacted by the pandemic, right? 
But Bettendorf Christian Church happened to be, oh, I don't know, in a building project right in the middle of the pandemic. That's convenient. That makes things tough because everybody's got opinions and it's hard. And everybody has emotions and thoughts and it's tough. And then stack on top of that pastoral transitions. That's hard. That's tough. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. It's not easy. My family went through transition during that time. That wasn't easy either. I mean, we didn't know any of you people. <laughs> and we're getting to know you. And, and, and we love being here. But it's still hard on us too. It's changed for everybody. And, and man, that's tough. And there's different leadership styles, different gifts, different gift mixes. And, and, and I'm sure that throughout all this process with, with COVID, with, with church leadership, with all the changes, with the building, there's been plenty of things you liked and plenty of things you didn't like. And there's been things that have been harder for some more than others. There's been things that were hurtful. And there's been things that were challenging, things that were disappointing, things that you had to grieve over. And that's okay. Can I tell you that's normal? That's okay. Don't feel bad about feeling bad. Don't feel bad about feeling grief or frustration or even anger at times. Like those are normal things you would experience from having gone through that much change. You're not unspiritual or immature because you felt those ways. So don't let the enemy play tricks on your mind. It's not that you felt these things, but it's rather what do you do next after you feel those things? What are you gonna do next? Are you gonna get stuck in that? Are you gonna get stuck in the past? You're gonna get stuck in washing your hands and the traditions and in the past. You're gonna get stuck in what you like and what you don't like. You're gonna get stuck in what looks good. You're gonna get stuck in what we've always done. You're gonna get stuck and just keep on washing your hands. Or you're gonna say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe God wants us to realign our focus and maybe he's calling us to be salt and light. And maybe he's bringing us back to something. And it's time for us to move the needle by impacting eternity with the way we live our lives and the way that we as a church collectively move forward. The goal of BCC is to focus on impacting eternity. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. But wait a minute. We just did a whole series on Ephesians. That's right. We can read it again. It's okay. Don't get nervous. Ephesians chapter 4. I just want to read Ephesians 4. And I just, I, I'm not even going to stop and give commentary on it. I just, I just want the word of God to speak to you. So as we read this, Holy Spirit, I pray you just use this as truth to stir your people. Ephesians 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens 
that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, uh, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let them labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Chapter five. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. BCC does not exist for us. BCC exists for the glory of God. Well, let me say that slow so I can say that some more. Somebody didn't hear that. BCC doesn't exist for us. BCC exists for the glory of God. We must remember that that's why we exist. That the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That you and I are called to bring glory to God with everything we do. We exist for his glory. So Lord, how can I glorify you with my daily life? How can I enjoy living in a way that brings glory to the Father, that my goal is to please you, to do everything that I do as unto the Lord? If you're raising your children, raise your children as unto the glory of the Lord. Do it in a way that will honor God, that will bring glory to God. 
if you are working in a certain field, if you're studying in a certain field, if you're a student, I know that my kids are about to start school tomorrow. I think a lot of kids, maybe we have a lot of students in this room, you're going to start um, school. Go to school and live for the glory of God. How can I build relationships and impact those friendships and those opportunities that I may have even to be a light in the darkness with a teacher or with someone that may not believe the way I believe or think the way that Scripture wants me to think for the glory of God? How can I live? How can I be salt? How can I be light? How can you be salt and light in your neighborhood? How can you be salt and light everywhere that you go living with a greater purpose? So we talked about what it's going to take for us to recognize the challenges in front of us, and that's that awareness and facing that reality and acknowledging here. But now, how do we move from here to there? I believe Ephesians chapter 4 helps us with this, and I'm just going to highlight a few things that we read as we went through that text. To move from here to there and to get unstuck, it's going to require that we take action. Because if we just sit around and we just become people who are hearers of the word only and not doers, James says we are deceiving ourselves. And I don't want us to be a church that deceives ourselves, thinking ourselves spiritual because we wash our hands. I rather want us to be about the Father's business. I rather want us to be a church that is living out the great commission of winning souls, making disciples, seeing people's lives transformed, and seeing eternity transformed because of the way that we live and with the mission in which we live our lives. That's going to require that we sacrifice some things. It's going to require that we give up even maybe some good things for greater things. It's going to require that we focus, that we put our energy in a unified direction to be able to serve the priorities that God is calling us to live with and to be unapologetic about that. To live in such a way where, Lord, what do you want me to give up? Lord, what are you requiring of me? And I think if we all collectively begin to ask those decisions, Lord, what are you asking me? What are you asking me to lay down that I've held on to tightly? Where have I been washing my hands and been disobeying your commands? Where have I been elevating the things that look good on the outside above the things that really matter and that are really influencing and impacting eternity? And Lord, what are you calling me to do as a result? What are you calling me to say yes to? He's not putting it all on your shoulders. The, the fate of the world is not on your shoulders. And we thank God for that, amen? <laughs> but at the same time, we do have a responsibility. And he does want us to impact and influence eternity for his glory. So here's some things that as we read Ephesians 4 and the first couple of verses in chapter 5 that I think that at least spoke to me. And maybe there's other things that God used to speak to you in that text. But I see this idea of loving one another. I think that's where we start is with love. He talked about unity of the spirit. He talked about having this unity and being eager to maintain that unity. So to maintain something means I'm, I'm going to have to keep doing some of the right things, right? I'm going to have to make sure I'm doing proper maintenance. And BCC, I want us to do proper maintenance to be eager to maintain a spirit of unity in our church. That means we have to be humble. That means we have to be patient. That means we have to give each other grace. That means we have to be slow to anger. That means we have to be willing to forgive. That means we have to be willing to seek reconciliation. Why? Because we're eager 
to maintain unity in our church. And that we set a guard over our heart, we set a guard over our mouth, and that we all, we want to speak things that are edifying. Here we see over and over again where Paul wrote to the Ephesians talking about their words, talking to them about the way they speak. Verse 26, he says, be angry, do not sin. He says, make sure you speak the truth with your neighbor, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. He said, don't let the thief steal. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, don't let this corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Don't let bitterness, verse 31, and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you in Christ. I think we start there if we're going to move from here to there and get unstuck. Second thing is commit to be faithful. Commit to be faithful in connecting and attending. I, I, man, I, I want to see us be a church of people who are faithful because can I tell you that... Um, once every six weeks is not faithful. <laughs> um, and if that's what culture wants to try to define as the new regular, um, man, I, I, I want to see us not play that game and not abide by that standard. I want us to be the anomaly in that because we see the benefit of gathering together in the large gathering. We see the benefit of getting together and worshiping and then we see the benefit of gathering throughout the week and being involved in one another's lives and caring about one another at a deep level bearing one another's burdens helping encourage and lift one another up that we see the priority in that beyond just a sunday morning experience amen and that as we see god is faithful he's calling us to be faithful and that we just say we're, we're not going to let that be true of us we want to be the anomaly in that if that's where uh, people have, have gone. We don't want that to be true of us. And so we're going to have to commit to being faithful. Commit to being faithful and being connected and involved and care. Care about our neighbors. Care about our coworkers. Care about our church and what we do here. Care about those things that are influencing and impacting eternity. If we really believe these things, if we really believe it, being involved, not being, not being consumers. You see, I think that's the next thing. We have to recognize we're called to be contributors not consumers. We, we are not called to be consumer Christians where all we're looking for is our way right away or we're looking for things to go a certain way or maybe we prioritize washing of hands and all these different things that we think are important when God is saying, no, I want you to be focused on impacting eternity and living in light of eternity. We are contributors, not consumers. And the last thing that I see that's important for us to get unstuck, to move from here to there, to impact eternity, is to invest in reaching the next generation to ensure the gospel grows stronger beyond our lifetimes. Because if the gospel only influences and impacts the people here in this room and it doesn't carry beyond all of our lifetimes, then we've failed. If, if all we do is we, we entertain the initiated, um, we have failed. If all we do is just um, continue to go through the motions and think we're doing good, while the Quad Cities makes it on a national list for most post-Christian unchurched cities in America, while we just keep doing the same thing, going through the same thing. I, I, 
I don't think that's what God's called us to do, is to just be okay with that. I, I thank God for that list because it's not okay to stay there. Would you agree that it's not okay for us to be on that list? <laughs> I, I, I think that it's, I, I don't want us on that list, okay? I don't, actually, I don't want any city on that list. But I don't want where I live and where I'm called to be on that list because that makes me go, oh God, help me live with a greater priority to impact eternity and impact the next generation. I want to read you one more scripture before we go. And this is the one that I hope shakes you. Judges, I've read it before, but Judges 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people of Israel, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of, an, of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaish. And all that generation were also gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Wait a minute. A generation was fed by God providing manna from heaven for them. A generation saw the Jordan River roll up to one side as the Ark of the Covenant and the priests were standing in the middle of it as they walked across on dry ground. A generation saw the walls of Jericho fall. A generation saw and heard stories of people being healed by looking upon the staff that Moses created after they were bitten by snakes and see that God had yet healed them again. A generation saw Moses walk down from the mountain holding tablets that God himself wrote. A generation saw God deliver them from 400 years of slavery. A generation saw the hand of God move in so many amazing ways, saw how God provided for them at every turn. And after they died, after everybody died, a generation arose after them that did not know the Lord. I believe God's calling us to invest in the next generation because the goal for BCC is to focus on impacting eternity. And I want to make sure that when we're all long gone from this earth, if the Lord tarries, that the gospel is continuing to be perpetuated generation after generation. I want to make sure that we have done our job of making disciples people who are devoted, fully devoted followers of Jesus, amen? That we have been doing the work of an evangelist by spreading and sharing the gospel actively with people and then seeing them discipled, that people are coming to faith in Christ and that their faith is being strengthened because I think that the challenges that we face are going to be very small in comparison to the challenges that people beyond our lifetime they're gonna face and have to deal with for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And I want to make sure they're ready. I want to make sure they're equipped. I want to make sure we didn't miss it because we got too busy washing our hands. I want to make sure we didn't miss it because we were too busy thinking about ourselves. 
I don't want us to miss it because we got stuck in what I want. We got stuck in what we've always done. I want us to focus and live in light of eternity. So the goal for BCC is to focus on impacting eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word with our church family. I pray, God, that you would just continue to work in and use our church, your church, for your glory. Lord, where we've missed it, we want to repent. Where we've gotten stuck, where we've gotten prideful, Lord, we want to repent. Where we need to be humbled, humble us. Where we need to be active, where we've been passive, Lord, help us to activate the things that we already know and the things you're calling us to, that you've always been calling us to, to be salt, to be light, to be people who are living on mission and on purpose and influence and impact eternity. We thank you for stirring us up today, Lord, by your word in Jesus' name. Amen.